0: You're listening to Learner, an audiobook by Trevor Reagan from the thelearnerlab.com. Chapter one Rudy. It's September 2006. I'm sitting in the top row of Cameron Indoor Stadium in Durham, North Carolina. Now, Cameron Indoor Stadium is home of the Duke Blue Devils basketball team. It might be one of the coolest basketball venues in the world. So I'm sitting in the bleachers. The whole stadium is empty, but my heart rate is going at about 195 beats per minute. And I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out because I'm about to go meet with one of the Duke coaches and find out whether or not I made the team as a walk on. Now to understand sort of the magnitude of this situation for me, we gotta rewind it back to nineteen ninety seven. Nineteen ninety seven. I'm ten years old. I watched the movie Rudy. Ready, set, hut. After high school, I'm gonna play football at Notre Dame. You're five feet nothing, a hundred and nothing, and you got hardly a speck of athletic ability. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. This movie's great. It's the, about this kid who wants to make the Notre Dame football team. For one reason or the other, this movie really connected with me at the age of 10. Like I was bawling when he finally made the team and got in for a play. Honestly, I'm a bit shook right now just after listening to the trailer. So, from that very day that I watched the movie for the first time, my dream. Was to be sort of the Rudy of Duke basketball. I wanted to wear the white and blue, run out of the tunnel, and be on the Duke basketball team. And I chased that dream with like everything I had. By the time I was in high school, I didn't really hang out with friends. Every waking moment was spent trying to get better at basketball. So long story short, I get accepted into Duke. I get out there for my first year. They have these open tryouts. About 100 people went to the initial tryout. They chopped it down to four. I had made the final four. The four of us got to be on the team for preseason, work out with the team, run with the team, scrimmage with the team. At the time, Coach K is there. Johnny Dawkins is there. Steve Wojo is there. Chris Collins is there. And I can't even explain to you how awesome that month was. Every day that I walked to practice or walked to training, I was in tears because I was so happy to literally be living the dream. So here I am in Cameron and I'm walking to the coach's office to find out whether or not I make the team. Now, I wish I could like recreate the whole conversation that happened. But honestly, all I remember is, I'm sorry. And after that, I kind of blacked out. I didn't make the team. And it was devastating. It wrecked me. Now, this story is not what you think it's going to be. This isn't like an ESPN 30 for 30 moment where... I took this failure and then doubled down and practiced even more and made the team the next season. No, that's not what happened at all. This sent me into a huge tailspin. I was absolutely devastated. I didn't talk to friends or family for a long time. I felt like my identity was gone. Now, I got the opportunity to be a manager and sort of practice player on the team for a couple seasons. I got to go to the games, get in on practice sometimes, sit in on meetings, really a backstage pass to one of the best basketball programs in the country. Now on paper, of course, this seems like an awesome opportunity, but I did not get the most out of it at all because I was so angry that I didn't make the team. I was so mad that I had to make the Gatorade for the guy that beat me out. Now this happened a long time ago. And now at this point, 2021, I can say without a doubt, this is one of the most important things to ever happen to me because that failure planted a seed, a question in my head. What could I have done better? And that is the question that's fueled me on this journey, this journey to figure out what are the very best tools to get better at getting better? What are the tools we can use to become better learners? So honestly, I credit that failure with putting me on the path to where I am now. And now I honestly believe I have the coolest job in the world. I get to study learning and teach it to people from all over the world. I've done almost a thousand workshops with fortune 50 groups, Olympic teams, professional sports teams, but I've also worked with hundreds of schools, kids of all ages. I've presented this in prisons as well. Now, after all these reps in practice of learning and teaching, I'm finally ready to share it with you. So now you understand the why, my why, why I do what I do. Now it's time to get into the weeds, the concrete tools that can help anyone become a better learner. Let's go. Chapter two, why learning? I think this quote from Naval really sums it up. He goes, if you can learn how to learn, it's the ultimate meta skill. I believe that you can learn how to be healthy. You can learn how to be fit. You can learn how to be happy. You can learn to have better relationships. You can learn how to be successful. These are all things that can be learned. So if you can learn, that's the trump card. It's the ace. It's the joker. It's the wild card. You can trade it in for any other skill. Naval hit the nail on the head. After looking at the learning process for almost a decade, I agree. Learning is absolutely a skill. It's something that anyone can get better at. I also believe it's the most important skill because great learners can solve problems. Great learners can deal with change. Great learners can acquire new skills when new demands arise. We hear a lot about the importance of resilience, adaptability, agility. And yeah, those behaviors are great. But when you get to the core definition of those behaviors... You see, what we're really chasing is learning. It's a skill. It matters. Which brings us to the big question. How do we get better at it? In this book, we're going to identify the three fundamental tools to do just that. Now, to be clear, I'm not really here to tell you what to learn. It's more of a conversation about how to learn. Think of this as sort of the soil. We're going to create really, really good soil together. And then whatever seeds you choose to plant in the soil will grow better. The truth is, I don't know you. I don't know the specific challenges you face, the pressures you feel, and so I'm not here to tell you what to do, how to think, and I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. We're just here to share the science, share the research. I don't want to oversimplify this. It's not easy at all, but anyone can become a better learner, and that will have a positive impact on us no matter who we are or what we do. Chapter 3, Tigers Now, to start the conversation on learning, we have to start where everybody starts, and that's by talking about tigers. (laughs) So imagine two tigers. One tiger lives in a zoo and one tiger lives in the jungle. Obviously, these tigers are in very different situations. Tiger in the zoo, really, really easy life. It's boring, but easy. You sit in a box 24-7, all day, every day, you have everything you need. Food, water, shelter. The zoo tiger never struggles because it never experiences things that could lead to struggle. Problems, challenges, obstacles, change. None of those things happen in the zoo. Not many problems to solve in your cage. Definitely not much change to deal with. Now, the jungle tiger is in a different situation. First of all, it's much more difficult in the jungle than the zoo. In the jungle, we're on our own. We have to find our own food, water, shelter. And doing that's difficult because we have to do it like every day. If we're talking struggle, the amount of struggle that the jungle tiger would experience compared to the zoo tiger, off the charts. Because every day, in one way or the other, it deals with problems, challenges, obstacles, change. Every day is uncertain. Every day is full of new struggle. So we have two very different situations here, two very different environments. Now, the question to think about would be, well, which tiger would learn more? Well, you could ask that question to any human on earth and every human on earth is going to say the jungle tiger. Of course they would. There'd be a huge gap between these tigers. Now, sort of the thought experiment to prove the point would be, well, what would happen if you took the tiger out of the zoo and put it into the jungle? Yeah, it's in trouble. So yes, the jungle tiger is going to learn and develop more than the zoo tiger. Now, the key point here is to understand how this gap wasn't necessarily caused by the tiger's tools. Like they're both tigers. They have similar tools. The gap was really about their experiences, their environment, the situations they faced. The tiger that struggled, the one that has to solve problems, the one that has to deal with change and obstacles, is able to learn and do things that the zoo tiger could not. This book isn't about tigers. This book is about learning. But this story is a really good metaphor about how learning works. Like I said in the intro, I think I hit the lottery. I have the coolest job on earth. Getting to teach people this material is so fun. But I'll be honest with you, the sneaky best part about my job is the learning that I get to do. Getting to hang out with the actual scientists, the researchers, the people that have spent decades looking into these concepts. One of the biggest principles to come from the research of how we grow is that no matter who we are, no matter how old we are, no matter what we're trying to learn, We learn the best when we operate at the edge of our abilities and a little out of the comfort zone. You could say that's sort of a truth to growth. Whether we're trying to grow a muscle or a skill, we have to stretch out of the comfort zone in order to grow. So basically, the way I believe that all change happens... That's Anders Ericsson. If learning how to mount Rushmore, he's on there twice. Unfortunately, he recently passed away but we had the honor of interviewing him uh, about a year and a half ago. I think he does a really good job of explaining how to improve the quality of our practice. What you need to do is to stress the system. And it, we are now starting to understand how that stressing on the system will activate genes that will uh, stimulate change. And, and as long as you keep stimulating that system, you will see... You know, bigger and bigger changes over time. So, again, it's this idea here that if you're doing things that you already know how to do, then you're not going to change. Now, the truth about comfort zones is we all have them and they come in all shapes and sizes. And depending on what we're doing, the skill we're trying to build, the project we're working on, the sport we play, our comfort zone is going to look a bit different. But the argument we're trying to make is if we spend all of our time in the comfort zone, yeah. It's easy there. We look good there. We don't struggle very much there. Our comfort zone is a lot like the zoo. If we do only the things that are easy, predictable, comfortable, just like the zoo tiger, we sort of limit our growth. So in a big way, what we're saying, we are built to learn like the jungle tiger. When we get out of the comfort zone, have to solve some problems, have to struggle. Here's the cool part. You already know this everybody knows this we've given this talk to five-year-olds before you could ask a five-year-old which tiger would learn more every single five-year-old says jungle tiger if they can answer that question it means they understand this message and if they understand the message of course we do too getting out of your comfort zone is the biggest cliche right now everyone is saying this life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Take yourself out your comfort zone. You need to get out of your comfort zone. But you got to step out of your comfort zone. My comfort zone may be what is holding you back. This is not groundbreaking science. In fact, if my book was just me convincing you that you have to get out of your comfort zone to grow, it'd be a huge waste of your time. The more interesting and useful angle and where I want to spend our time together is not me telling you to get out of the comfort zone, I want to talk about, well, how come we all know this, but we don't do it very much? If we can figure that out, I think this is going to be a great investment. The best news here is we have a choice. Tigers don't. You're either living in the zoo, living in the jungle. That's probably not changing. When it comes to learning, we get to choose. Every day in learning situations, we're presented jungle tiger moments problems, challenges, obstacles change. When we're presented these moments, we can choose to learn from them, to hide from them, to experience them, to avoid them, to jungle tiger in those situations, or we could choose to stay in the zoo. More times than not, if we're going to be real, we choose to stay in the zoo. I guess I can't speak for you, but that's how it works for me. I zoo tiger all the time. And that's the problem I want to dissect together. On paper, of course we know the real growth happens in the jungle. Well then, why do you think we're so good at finding ways to stay in the zoo? While you think about that question, I have a quick clip to play for you. I'll give you a bit of a play-by-play. We have a skateboarder going up a ramp, trying to switch skateboards and feet, land on the new skateboard, go back down the ramp. And our guy is crashing a lot. Here it is next try. I'm sick of doing this, guys. That's it. I found it. That was it. I found it. (laughs) And on about the 30th attempt, he lands it. If you actually want to see that clip just go to YouTube and search what real learning looks like. I love this clip because it's a great reminder of just that. We see like 20 or 30 crashes and on the last crash we get the the aha moment. It clicks. I found it. That's something that we've all experienced before when we're trying something a bunch of times and and then it clicks. That's something that we all see a lot as leaders, as coaches, as educators when someone's trying something a bunch of times and then they find it. Something that we all know, but sometimes we forget, is that the aha moment can't happen without the crashes. Every single crash in one way or the other led him to that moment of, I found it. That's what learning looks like no matter what we're trying to learn. That's how we learn to walk, ride a bike, sing, do math, lead, write, shoot a basketball, code, It doesn't matter the skill we're trying to build. The process we move through is the same. In fact, another ironclad rule of learning says, we're always going to be bad first, period, end of sentence. This is a tough rule to accept, but it's true. If we're going to get better at something, we're always going to struggle a little bit up front. Now, depending on our skill set and the skill we're trying to acquire, the amount of struggle might be different, but it will be there. In order to grow We're going to have to struggle. Sometimes people tell us it's okay to struggle. I'm doubling down and saying it's necessary. The struggle is the price of admission we have to pay in order to grow. We're not going to land the skateboard without some crashes. Now, the good news for us, we don't have to fall on our face like Jerry the skateboarder, but we do have to struggle in different ways. Now, if you're listening to this book right now, You've done this hundreds of times. Sometimes people like me sort of give people the wrong impression about learning. We show you a video of someone climbing Mount Everest, of a professional skateboarder learning a new trick, and we put these people on pedestals like, wow, look at them learn. But the truth is, we all do exactly what they're doing All the time. Everyone listening to this right now is really, really good at lots of things. And the truth is, you weren't just born with those skills. You built them and earned them through practice and struggle and experimentation by being a jungle tiger. Sometimes people get the wrong idea of what learning like a jungle tiger is actually about. This is not about being reckless or bold or aggressive. Learning like a jungle tiger is about the small choices we make. Anytime we choose to do the right thing, the better thing, over the easy, comfortable option, we are in the jungle. And it's small. Asking a question is being a jungle tiger because it's more difficult to ask the question than to not. Having a tough conversation, applying for a new position, learning new software technology. These are all examples of us choosing to stretch out of the comfort zone. And when we do stuff like that, we grow more than if we don't. We all jungle tiger all the time. And with just as much certainty, I can say we all zoo tiger a lot of the time as well. Zoo-tigering is when we don't ask the question, we avoid the tough conversation, we resist learning the new software technology, we talk ourselves out of applying for the new position. We've all done some of both. If we can jungle tiger sometimes, it's proof we could do it more. Now, I'm not some motivational speaker writing a hype-up book saying you have to spend your whole life out of your comfort zone and jungle tiger every challenge you face. No, of course not. But what I am saying is, if there's something you care about, something you want to get better at, we need to be willing to spend a bit more time in the jungle. That's where we grow. As we wrap up this chapter, the question I want to circle back to is the one that we threw out before the skateboarding clip, which is, well, why do we zoo, tiger? Yeah, on paper, we know the difference between the jungle, the zoo, and deep down, we understand the growth happens in the jungle. Well, then how come we spend so much time in the zoo? A useful exercise might be to think about your answer to that question before heading to the next chapter. When it comes to learning, we can choose, why do we choose to stay in the zoo? Chapter 4, Why We Zoo Tiger In our workshops, we always ask that question. I've probably heard thousands of responses at this point. The number one most common thing that we hear is something related to fear. Fear is such a big piece of the learning equation that doesn't get enough attention because it can spring up in so many different forms. It could be the fear of change, the fear of the unknown, the fear of struggle, the fear of looking bad, the fear of being judged while we're struggling and looking bad. Fear is such a big piece of this equation, we've devoted an entire section of this book to talking about fear. We will get there soon. Sometimes we hear from people like, oh, we just don't have the time or the resources to learn. Now, that's partially true. We need to live in reality. We're never in the perfect situation for learning, where we have all the time, all the resources, all the support. That situation doesn't really exist. But something I know to be true is that great learning can happen just about anywhere. And I can say that because we work with some people in some of the toughest situations that I can't even imagine making big time changes. If you're like me, I use time as an excuse a lot when it comes to working out and exercise. I go, oh, can't work out today. Don't have three hours. What the truth is, like, look, a five-minute workout is better than a zero-minute workout, and a lot of five-minute workouts can stack up over time and lead to real change. Learning is the same. We don't need 10,000 hours to get good at something. We can make big changes in small chunks of time if we're consistent. Now, I'm not trying to oversimplify it. Of course, it's difficult, but we are capable of more learning than we realize, and it doesn't take as much time as we think. Our environment plays a role in this. Some people have to deal with really unfair obstacles and challenges that can make learning really difficult. Some people have unfair advantages that can help the learning process. What I'm getting at is there are hundreds of variables at play if we're talking about learning. Hundreds of things can help and hurt the learning process. In this book, we're really going to zoom in on two of these variables. Fear, and then the other one, is our limiting beliefs about learning. The stories we have about the things we can't learn, can't do. Now, the reason we're going to talk about fear and stories, first, these are universal variables. Every human on earth has to deal with stories and fear. Second, these are high-impact obstacles. Like I said, there's so many obstacles, but these are really high-impact and important ones. And third, and most importantly, stories and fear are controllable. Some of these variables are out of our hands. We can't control them. Stories and fear are not. They're universal, high impact, and we can control them. We have to deal with stories and fear even when we're six years old. It's the winter of 2015 small family get together. I'm hanging out on a couch with my friend Layton. He's six years old. We're a bit bored, so, I decided to show off. I decided to show him this trick called quarter catching. It's a simple trick. You raise your elbow with your palm in the sky, you put a quarter on the edge of your elbow, and then you swing your hand down real fast and try to catch the quarter before it hits the ground. Pretty easy to do, but it looks cool. It's a terrific way to impress a six year old. So, I do the trick a couple times. Leighton legit thinks I'm magic. He's like, oh you got to show me how to do this. I show him three more times, catch the quarter, no problem. He can't take it. He jumps off the couch. He grabs the quarter from me. He goes, it's my turn. He puts the quarter on his elbow. Attempt number one, swings his hand down really weird, completely misses and the quarter falls to the ground. No big deal. He grabs it back on the arm. Attempt number two. This time he swings his hand down real fast and smacks the quarter across the room into the wall. He runs to get it. Back on the arm. Attempt number three, swing and a miss. Three tries, no catches. There was no fourth attempt. After the third drop, he goes, that's stupid, and goes back to the couch. Which tiger is he choosing to be in that moment? Yeah. Zoo. He's choosing to go back to the couch, back to the comfort zone, back to the zoo. We zoo tiger because of stories and fear. Think about what his story was in that moment. Again, the story is this limiting belief of our capacity to grow. His big story was, I can't learn this. Now, underneath that could be, I'm not magic like Trevor, I'm too young, but the overarching story is, I can't learn this skill now think about how fear was at play in this scenario the fear was i hate that i can't catch this thing i hate this feeling of discomfort of struggling now to be clear i wasn't punishing him every time he dropped the quarter i wasn't making him do push-ups after every drop but it's this internal narrative that internal fear that sent him back to the couch Honestly, this seems like a simple example, a simple story, but it's really the learning process in a nutshell. And it really establishes our goal for this entire book. Our goal is to become better learners. You become a better learner by spending more time learning, by spending more time in the jungle. The best way to spend more time in the jungle is to get really clear on these two big obstacles we all have to deal with, stories and fear, what they are, where they come from, and what the science says about overcoming them. Stories build our cage, fear keeps us in it. Over the next few chapters, we're gonna talk about the things we can do to change that. This program is brought to you by thelearnerlab.com. The book is by Trevor Reagan, This episode was produced by Jack. For more resources on learning, please visit our website. Also, we have a bunch of awesome stickers that I want to send your way. All you have to do is rate the podcast or leave a comment, and then email your address to trevor at LearnerLab.com and I'll send you a sticker for free. Thanks.